Amen. We've been talking about moving into and operating in the supernatural. Amen. How many desire or are becoming people of the supernatural? It's not the spooky natural, but the supernatural. Amen. You can operate in the supernatural. Somebody say, I can operate in the supernatural. Say that, I will operate in the supernatural. Philippians 3, 12 to 16. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. If any, is there a reverb in this? Or is my, my mind? If any, did you hear that? There shouldn't be a reverb in this one. If anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Amen. I want us to read the last part of the scripture. Let us, therefore, let's start from that place. What verse is it, 16? Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. If anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Hallelujah. Amen. All of us must want to press on. All of us must want to improve. All of us must want to do well. Therefore, let as many as are mature have this mind. If, any, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you, that you have to try and become perfect. You have to try and become anointed. You have to try and become more spiritual. You have to try and become more powerful in your prayer. You have to be, try and become more versed in your scriptures. You have to try and become more, more, uh, more versed in your behavior. Your behavior as a Christian must reflect Christ. Amen. You must not say that, oh, that is how I am. You must not say that, well, uh, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. No, you must strive for excellence. You must strive for maturity. You must strive to operate in the spiritual. Amen. All of us, when we go to school, we desire to uh, do better, isn't it? We desire for uh, promotion. None of us want to stay in the same class. Have you ever repeated a class before? Has anybody repeated a class before? So you are very clever people. You have repeated. You know, when you repeat a class, it's not nice. It's not a very nice. You know, the children, the, those who you, you look down on, are now your mates. And, and, and you see, now they, they can call you names. <laughs> you know, they can call you names and all that. It's not a very nice thing. You want to... to, to to be with the mates you started with, isn't it? You want to be promoted. You want to go, go higher and do well. How come when you go to any job, any job place, you want to be promoted, isn't it? Nobody, would you be happy that you've been in the office for 10 years and somebody just came within three months and they are promoted above you? It's not a very nice feeling. You want to be promoted. And you see, when, anytime you are promoted, you feel good. You feel that you have achieved something. How come when it comes to Christ, we don't strive to achieve anything? We don't strive to become anything. 
in Hebrews chapter 5, the Bible says that for when for the time that you ought to be teachers. Are you with me? Put Hebrews 5, the last two scriptures there. It's the time when you ought to be teaching. There's a time that you ought to teach. There's a time that you ought to, the last two scriptures. No, no, for one for the time you ought to be, te- it's um, 12, I think. Is it? 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles, which means that when you learn the first principles, you have to go to the second principle. When you learn the second principle, you have to go to the third principle. When you learn the third, you have to go to the fourth and go on to become a master of all the principles to the point where you now start teaching others. Are you with me? And to the point that you now operate the principle. There's one thing learning the principle. There's another thing teaching the principle. And there's a third thing operating the principle. Oh, I don't know whether I've lost you. It's too early to lose you. Do you understand? Because if you learn something and teach, you're only teaching the theory. But when you practice something after you have learned it, and you go back to teach. You are not just teaching the letter. You are teaching the letter plus the spirit. Uh, are you getting it? And, and, and I want to challenge all of us to want to know, to get to the point where we can practice, teach it, learn it, teach and practice it, practice and teach it. You understand? When you practice something and then you teach, in Ezra, is it Ezra? 7.10, he says that you must learn the thing, practice, and then teach. Look at it for me, Ezra 7.10. Ezra did something. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. And to teach Statutes and ordinances in Israel. Amen. So let's not learn about miracles. And teach miracles. But let's learn the miracles. Operate the miracles. And then teach it. Because it's more powerful that way. Hallelujah. In this day and age where. There's so much doubt about Christianity, so much fake uh, preachers and teachers and prophets and fake everything going on. So much people have turned Christianity into a business and they're doing all sorts of funny things. It is now time for the real Christians to stand up. I say it's it's now time for the real Christians to stand, stand up. And to stand up in the spirit of God. Now I'm going to show you something. Remember I said to you, that there's a difference between the supernatural and the spooky. The superstition. Majority of what we call uh, miracles and Christian, uh, uh, what do you call it, Pentecostal miracles these days, is superstition and not supernatural. I'm going to prove to you what I mean by something being supernatural and something being superstition. This superstition has a lot of mystic connotation around it. Superstition is more show. Are you with me? The supernatural has the spirit of God back in it. Come with me to uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. I told you that the, the supernatural is natural mixed with the Holy Spirit, the grace of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes very natural becomes a miracle. Like pouring water. Blessing the water and pouring out water to give to people. And as you give the water to people and they start to drink, it becomes wine. It's something, a natural phenomenon as pouring water into a glass 
and passing it. How many know that pouring water and passing it to somebody is not a miraculous thing? It's a very ordinary thing that everybody does. But the, as they did it, it turned to wine. You remember the, 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 the feeding of the 5,000? It's just breaking the bread, letting them sit down. As the bread was broken and passed, as they were breaking the bread and passing it around. You see, when you break bread and pass it around, it is very, very natural. But the miracle along the, the feeding of the 5,000 was that the bread was being broken, but it wasn't finishing. And the people were satisfied as they ate. There was more left over than what they began with. Are, are you getting it? Now, the Bible said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was without form. Somebody say without form. Without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. Now, take as Kiran would say, deep this. Deep it. Picture it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As, just assume the heavens and the earth is created. But there was no form to it. Which means that it didn't have the shape we have, we can see now. And darkness was on the in, was on the surface of the deep, on the face of the deep. There was confusion. There was all sorts of it, it was as if nothing had been created. Are you with me? It was there, but it was as if nothing had been. It was there was so much confusion and everything. And there was and the spirit, somebody said the spirit of God. The spirit of God, see, anytime you introduce the spirit of God, this is the, this is the challenge, uh, this is the test I'm giving you. Anytime you introduce the spirit of God into something, from that moment going, all that takes place. Did you get it? From the time the spirit of God comes in, order comes in. As soon as we hear the spirit of God hovering, of the surface of the deep, verse 3 says what? Then, the, uh, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And the Lord saw the light that it was good. And he divided light from darkness. Can you see it? When you go to a, 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 a spooky natural place, a superstitious place, the miracle is being performed, but the disorder is still there. Are you, are you with me? Everything is going on, but the, the disorder is still there. Darkness and light is still, still around. You can't differentiate. There's no progress. Have you not seen that? All these type of places, the miracle, miracle, no, there's so much disorder, and really the people and the, and the church and everybody is not progressing. How many understand what I'm trying to say? That is, that is one distinct mark. To tell you that it is not supernatural. It is not really the presence of the Holy Spirit. I told you anytime the presence of the Holy Spirit enters any place, there is order. There is order. Because God, is, the Spirit of God is not the author of confusion. See, all these places, like there's so much, but there's, when you see anybody who is operating, you know, miracles and everything, and the person is disorderly, cannot be... Uh, put in order is not uh, uh, somebody who can be checked, cannot be governed. That person is not operating by the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, when you see the fruit of the Holy Spirit, gentleness, meekness, patience, goodness, kindness, can you see order? All those things represent order. There is nobody who is gentle and disorderly. Are you with me? There's nobody who is good and bad at the same time. Am I making sense? Yeah. So that, that is where you, you draw the distinction that if the, the, the spirit of God is here, there must be have you been to a church where the, the spirit of God is there? There's chaos there. The pastor is preaching. Somebody get up and start prophesying. 
And then after this, the person, the person is about to finish. Somebody gets up singing a song. He says, the spirit. Somebody gets up. No, 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 no. That is, it is not the supernatural. It is rather superstition. You know, the spirit is on me. I have to share, the spirit is on me. I'm not, I'm not saying that once the spirit comes on you, you don't manifest. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that when it creates verse 1, verse 2, void, darkness, chaos, then mark. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. You see, the Bible tells us something that tests all spirits. Are you with me? Sometimes what we do is that we are afraid because we ourselves, we don't know the word of God. So we are afraid to, but the Bible gives us the right to check all spirits. So check the spirit. And how, how do you check the spirit? There is a word. The Bible says God has elevated his word a little above himself that he will not go over the word. Are you with me? So when there's power of God or when the presence of God, when the Holy Spirit is here, he will not go over the word. Everything has to line up with the word of God. Are you with me? So check it with the word of God. Try every spirit that comes. I don't care who is the one who is giving the spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Try the spirit. Know whether it's, it's the word of, you know, it's like somebody said that, uh, uh, the, this is, I am anointed. I have just prayed over this oil. Drink it and then you pass your exam. Drink it and you get a husband. Drink it and then you become, you get one million. So I'll visit you in your dream and bring you two million. I'll give you lottery numbers. You know, that, that, it's like, look at, can you see confusion? And you see all these type of places, they're so-called people who are becoming, they are not even progressing. I, I, you understand what I'm saying? They are rather getting more destructive, more confused. Uh, setting more confusion and chaos in the place. One says, I have dreamt uh, uh, this person is going to be the prime minister. One says, I have dreamt this person is going, rather going to be the prime minister. They say, no, 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 no. Another person is coming. Then there's confusion. No, no, no. Let's go back to chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, 3. Hallelujah. But you see, let not that thing discourage you from operating in the supernatural. Most of us get discouraged by this type of things that we, we say, okay, let's stay away from this spiritual type of thing and just be normal. No, there is nothing like being normal. When the Holy Spirit affects you, you cannot be normal. Amen. And you must strive to become more supernormal. Amen. Uh, last week, we started looking at the things that obstruct us or become obstacles to the supernatural, isn't it? For us working in the supernatural, number one we said was ignorance, isn't it? People are ignorant. Like what I'm saying is, a, how many find what I'm saying a little controversial? You haven't thought of it. You haven't thought of it. God is not the author of confusion. Anytime there's confusion, the Spirit of God is leading. Hallelujah. The second one is contentment and false satisfaction. I'm not going to go to I did this self-indulgence and then lack of focus, coldness, carelessness, and prayerlessness, and moving with a wrong crowd. Amen. Can I give you two more on that? Number six, failure to follow hard after God. Remember when Elisha asked Elijah that I want the spirit, a double portion of the spirit of God that is on you to come on me. 
He said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you follow me hard enough to see me live, you shall get it. Hallelujah. Hard, following hard after God. You know, Elisha had several opportunities to leave. Several opportunities to, to get offended and give up. I've seen many people follow and at the point they get offended and leave. They get discouraged and leave. And as they, they leave just about the time that the mantle was about to drop, they got up and leave. There was, there was somebody who was here in this church. He was just this close to becoming a pastor. Then he's like, they are not appointing me as a pastor. He got up and he left. As soon as he left, somebody took his place. And I've seen it happen so many times. So many times. People cannot follow hard. They cannot follow hard. Ah, pastor. Pastor has offended me. Gone. You see, the pastor offending you is also part of the test. It's, it's part. <laughs> Auntie Agi, can you imagine that? You are following, you are working with the pastor. You are working with, you are working with the pastor. You are helping the pastor. You are the pastor's personal assistant. You are the main person with the pastor. Then the pastor says that, stay here. I don't want you to follow me again. He said, what did I do? What have I done? Am I not serving well enough? Why do you say I should leave? I pour water. I am always with you. You know, Elisha was not the first assistant. There was one before. That one was left before Elijah went to the mountain. And Elijah wanted to make Elisha leave again. Three times he told him to leave. Three times. Can you imagine a pastor of these days? You don't even have to offend it. The pastor doesn't have to offend. Just have to look at you in the face. They say, no, I'm not following the pastor again. These people are sitting and calculating. When you pass the pastor, then the person has calculated on the pastor. Tell the person to do something and immediately get offended. I remember once I sent a brother. You know, we had started a few churches and a person was pastoring one church was leaving. So I called Brother X and I said to Brother X, from this Sunday, don't come to this church again. Go to that church. And when you go, have you seen this message I preach? Go and preach it there. A brother, I, I told him this on Monday. A guy didn't say anything to me. Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, he calls me. And he says, Pastor, I, I've thought about it. I don't think I can go. I said, hey, okay. hey, you know how I am. Oh, oh no way, no way, don't worry, don't worry. Okay, just, just, just easy. Then I called Brother Y. I said to Brother Y, from Sunday, don't come here. Go to that place. And Brother Y, said, yes, pastor. So, when he went and he preached, and then the following Sunday, he preached. Brother X gets upset. 
and he says that I don't like him. And he said that when I was sending him to that church, I said he should just go. When I was sending that brother, I said, I have appointed you a pastor. <laughs> if you had told me that it was a promotion rather than a demotion, I would have gone. You didn't say it was a promotion. So me, you weren't promoting me when you sent me there. By him, you are promoted to send him there. Meanwhile, both, I told both of them the same, use the same language. But you see, your, your, the, the problem we have is that your viewpoint determines how you see, hear, and feel in everything that is said. When you think that this pastor doesn't like me, this person, you know, you are suspicious, anything that is said, you don't receive it in the spirit that is said. You see through and you see, you know, two plus two, you get 55. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm not telling you a story. I'm telling you something that really actually happened. Two guys sent them. And it wasn't as if they were going to start a new thing. The church was in existence. They were actually going from an ordinary member here to become a pastor there. My first choice, <laughs> my first choice was Brother X. But you see, every time God has two choices, there's always a second choice. There were two boats. He chose Peter's boat. If Peter had made a mistake and gone, he would have jumped into James and John's boat. And that would have been the end of Peter's ministry. <laughs> How many can understand? Yeah. And, and sometimes that's why you do, we don't get anointed. Because you are suspicious of the man of God. You are critical of... The, you see, you can never get anything you criticize. It doesn't come to you. Anything you criticize doesn't come to you. If you don't like rich people, you'll never be rich. If you're always criticizing rich people. That's why, you see, when you go to any work, don't, be, don't join those who criticize the boss. Because you will never ever be criticize, become what you criticize. You will never be the boss. See, there's a, there's a, a class in the, in the workplace who are always critical of the boss. Always super, uh, uh, suspicious of the boss. Always dubious about the boss. They don't like the boss. They, and those people have been in the workplace even longer than the boss. Yeah. When the boss leaves, they bring another boss from somewhere and bring them because they don't, nobody trusts <laughs> critics. Nobody trusts critics. I don't think you understood what I said. The sons of the prophets were critics. You know, Elisha was a businessman. He was not born as a son of the prophet. He never went to any prophet school. He was just a businessman plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in his father's farm. When God wanted another prophet, he bypassed the prophetic school. Because the prophetic school were critical of the prophet that they were supposed to understudy. I don't know whether you understand. So he went to the farm and he put his mantle on Elisha. And Elisha followed. And as he was following the, the, the people, do you know the Lord is going to take your master? Do you know this your master is a very bad person? He's leaving, but he doesn't want to tell you. I mean, what kind of master is this that when he's, he's, he's hiding secrets, he's hiding secrets from you? You know, some people say, you know, we, we don't tell us anything. They don't like us, so they don't like telling. You see, if you're in a church and you think they don't like you, 
you are in a wrong place. Maybe relocate, find another church. You will never ever get any anointing from that place. If you're in a place and you say, me, they don't like me. Me, they don't want me. Me, they nothing good. You, you will never excel in that place. Because you can't follow hard after anybody or anything you are suspicious of. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Have you not realized that any man of God has critics? Not, let me not use any, every. If you like, Google any name that, <laughs> Google any name that comes into your, your mind as a man of God, woman of God. As you Google and put critics, you see them come popping. <laughs> The, 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 the higher they are, the more critics there are. Some people make it their full-time job to become the expose, exposer of this man or woman of God. You see, those people never ever work in the supernatural because their full-time job is to be skeptics and critics. So they don't follow hard enough to get anything. Am I talking to some, somebody? Some of us, the one we criticize the most is God himself. Let, 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 me, let me tell you how, how people criticize God. People criticize God not verbally. But they criticize God in their hearts. And by their behavior. The people criticize God. They never give to God. They hardly pray. They never worship. They never praise. Because they don't see any reason. Or any essence. You know to worship means. You see the sovereignty of God. You see God's. Sovereignty. And God's big greatness. And you worship him, not because he has done anything particularly, but because of who he is, he is. So you worship wholeheartedly. But people who criticize God don't worship wholeheartedly. Because after all, what has he done for me? Who is he to me? And those who praise are people who are praising because of what has been done for them. You know, and like, after all, what has God done for me? Am I, am I talking to somebody? And, and that is why we don't receive much. Because we can't follow hard after God. Or hard after the man of God. See, sometimes the reason why we don't follow hard is because we have a certain estimations. We have certain criteria that the person must meet in our own wisdom. We say if he meets this, he meets that, he meets that, then... If he doesn't meet this and meet that and meet that, then it. But the Bible says that we have treasure in earthen vessel. Sister, be healed. You won't say amen. You are not falling hard enough. <laughs> Number seven. Number seven. Discouragement and distraction. Listen, one of the things about God, you know, I, I said earlier on that a lot of people, just before the time the anointing comes, the blessing comes, they get tired, they get distracted, they get discouraged, and they move away. Are you getting it? You know, any woman who has given birth will tell you that the time the pain is at its worst, the peak time is just the time that the baby actually comes. Are Are you with me? You know, when you start with zero centimeters, 
One, two, three. You know, from two to five is very, very long for most people. Hours sometimes. The pain is continuous. Just goes a little and comes. Goes a little and comes. Goes a little and comes. You move to five, six, seven. By the time you hit eight, you, you, are, you, are say, you say, let them, let them take, remove this baby. I don't care whether this baby lives or dies. Just remove the baby. <laughs> you, you, you feel like you feel so frustrated, so, you know, tired and you know, exhausted and fed up and everybody's annoying you. Everybody's... You know, if you can just get up and walk away from the delivery room and go away from everybody, you will do that naked. You see, never ever think that the lady is not strong. When they get to that point and they hold your hand, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care who you are, you scream. <laughs> Brothers, this is a free tip. When they get to that point, don't, don't put your hand there. Don't, don't put your hand there. Oh, oh, hold your shoulder. Don't let them grip your hand. <laughs> they will squeeze your hand. You will feel more pain than the pain they are feeling. <laughs> Listen, go and fight outside. Don't fight inside here. Amen. There are a lot of factors that brings discouragement. But you see, part of the supernatural ministry is to walk in the place of discouragement. There's nobody who has operated in the supernatural and who has never been frustrated before. There's nobody who has operated in the supernatural who has never been offended before. When you see a general, a general in the army, you see stripes. Kind uh, how many stripes do generals have? Yeah, the rank. See, every star is given after. They've been in combat. Are you with me? And it is because the test they went through, the spears that have been speared them in the back, the wounds they carry is what is translated as a star. Are you with me? The 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 beatings the pain they have had to endure. See, I, I, you will never ever walk in the supernatural if you have never been offended before. There are some of us, we don't like being offended. We get really offended when somebody offends us. <laughs> How do you know what I'm talking about? You get really offended when somebody offends you. You are not ready to walk in the supernatural. Because, see, the supernatural is looking at your offender and blessing them. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's where the supernatural is. The Bible says that he came to his own, but his own received him not. He has come to his own, but they have rejected. Do you know what it feels like to be rejected? By your own people. Sometimes when foreigners reject you, it's not as painful as when your own people reject you. Hallelujah. But learn to endure hardness. Learn to endure pain. Disappointments. Rejection. Hello? When they reviled him, he reviled not. He did not open his mouth. When they spat on him, he did not curse. 
Have you seen this type of new age prophets who have come? You don't even have to open your mouth. <laughs> and they have more insults than you. <laughs> As you are trying to insult them, they, they give you about five times more. No, they, they, they are not operating that spirit of God I'm talking about. Hello? Am I talking to somebody? Right. What I wanted to talk about today for the next five minutes, I'm finishing this today, is the price for the supernatural, the price you ought to pay. Military for notable wartime victories. So uh, say start again. Traditionally, a five-star rank is are granted to distinguished military commanders for notable wartime victories and in recognition of a record achievement during the officer's career, especially in times of war. Hello? You are not getting any star. You see, a five-star general is not the one who shouts and jumps up and down. See, most five-star generals, they are, they are, they will be standing there. You won't even know that this is a five-star general. Only time that you know that I was with a five-star general. I didn't know. Hallelujah. The price for the supernatural. Now, we are talking about price. See, anytime you, any transaction that you undertake, it has a price. Any object that is valuable has a price. Are, are, you, are you with me? In the same way, the anointing has a price. A lot of people want everything for nothing. But as there is, there is no free lunch, there is also no free spiritual gift. It's given freely, but it's not free. It's a cost to it. Have you seen that there is a certain preach, uh, preachers that have come lately? They preach grace. I don't know whether you've heard of them. It's a new age phenomenon that is entering the charismatic church lately. And they are around. Most of these new type of churches that are springing up preach that type of thing. Grace. 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 Everything is about grace. So you don't have to do anything. You don't have to give offering. You don't have to pay tithe. Because Jesus has paid the price. Uh, he became poor that you that you become rich. He is, you don't need to live any holy life. Yeah. You don't need to be pure. Because his grace is sufficient. Just be normal. Just be around. If you feel like giving offering, you give. If you don't feel like it too, it's fine. Because grace covers everything. Listen, there is nothing free. Even though it's free, there is nothing free. Shall sin abound because grace abound? Certainly not. It is by grace that we are saved. But once we are saved, sin cannot abound because grace is abounding. See, the new, the new age phenomenon is like everything for nothing. No effort. Have you seen this type of uh, uh, microwave type of thing, Christianity? You don't need to pray five hours. You don't need to, two seconds you can, it's okay. You know, you don't need to read, it's not all, you don't need to read all that. Yes, it doesn't take that. You just, you know, by grace, you walk in a supernatural, you walk in a, listen, that is not scriptural. That is not scriptural. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. The, the Jesus that you are talking about, he has paid the price and brought grace. How many hours did he fast and pray? How many days did he fast and pray? Even when he was in Gethsemane, he said he was, he was marveling and being surprised that his disciples could not watch with him for one hour. And if you read the, the account after his death, the, the disciples were asked to stay in prayer 40 days to the time of Pentecost. From the ascension to Pentecost is 40 days. What do you think they were doing there? They were just sitting there. Can you, can you see what, what I'm saying? And the new age grace preachers who have come, some of them are in elite here. It's all grace, 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 no works. You are not saved by works. But the Bible says, work your salvation with fear and trembling. The salvation is something that has to be worked upon. You can't say that the salvation is there, but you are going to use grace to ride through and then do nothing. No, no, you. You, the salvation that you have can be lost. In case you didn't know. Are you more spiritual than Judas? Are you more spiritual than Judas? Listen. Listen. Judas had gone full time. Nobody here is full time. He was a full-time minister for three and a half years. Following hard after Jesus. And yet he lost his salvation. And you, you haven't gone anywhere. You haven't been on the mountains. You haven't gone anywhere. You haven't helped to feed the 5,000. You haven't seen any miracle. You haven't done anything. You are here. You after Tomorrow you go to work. <laughs> and you say you, you won't pray. You won't fast. You will just be there. <laughs> Listen, there's a price. I said there's a price. Now, now, look at it this way. Look at it this way. Let, let, let me play the devil's advocate. Let's assume that when we go to heaven, we get to heaven, we realize that we didn't have to do anything. It, the grace would have covered us. But we worked. And didn't rely on grace. Would we lose anything? But what if. We rely on grace. And we live anyhow. And we realize that. You can't enter. You need to work. Listen. In Revelation. When you read Revelation. The Bible says that there will be two judgments. Two judgments. The first judgment is whether you received salvation or not. And then the next one is the works. The works you did for Christ. Blessed are those who die in the Lord whose works do follow them. You, you are sitting there and say grace. You won't give. You won't work. You won't do anything. And you see, that anything that makes you become comfortable in any place, whether in the house of God or at home, question it. The Bible says, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Woe to them that are... Look for that scripture for me. The second bit is what I'm looking for. Woe to them who restrain their, their sword from fighting. When it's time to fight, they decide that they won't fight. Amos 6.1 Put that scripture on. 
Have you, have, is it on there? Read it. Woe to you who are ease in Zion and trust in Mount, you trust in grace. Notable persons in the chief nations to whom the house of Israel comes. There's another scripture I'm looking for. How many are? There's another scripture that says that woe to them that refrain their sword from drawing their sword in the time of war. Look for that scripture also for me. When it's time to fight and everybody has drawn their sword, you decide to keep your sword. Amen? So number one, the price number one is deeper personal relationship with God. You must cultivate a habit of fellowshipping with God regularly in fervent prayer, diligent study, meditating and doing the word of God, in singing praise to him with a heart of worship. Are you looking for that scripture for me? Number two, embrace, I don't like this reverb in the mic at all. Embrace the Holy Spirit as your senior partner. Remember Jesus said that, I see my father work and I work. You remember that scripture? I see my father work and I work. Have you got that scripture? What does it say? Cursed be the one who does the work of God in the, I don't want that, that uh, uh, version. I want the new King James. Me, I'm an old person. Put the new King James on. Jeremiah 48.10. Cursed be he that doeth or does the, the work of God deceitfully. And cursed is he who keeps back his sword from blood in the time of war. You are relying on grace when we are all, work, we are all fighting. You are cursed. Okay? So number one, a deeper personal relationship with God. Number two, embrace the Holy Spirit as your senior partner. Never run ahead of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 and 39. The Bible says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. For God was with him and where and we are witnesses of all the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on the tree. Amen. Number three, live a fasted life. You must give yourself to prayer. This is much more effective. Prayer and fasting. You know, when I got born again some days ago, when I got born again, going into the gardens to pray was a normal thing. Going to the gardens to pray was a regular thing. These days, it's not so regular. Can't even go for camp. 
I mean, I go into the go into the gardens, go to a brick gardens. There's always, I mean, the people that you see these days in, in Ghana, who I can show you which corner each one of them was. If you mention a name, I'll show, I'll show you where they used to, their base that they used to pray and who they used to pray with. Those people have trans, they have transcended the 80s, the 90s, 2000, 2010. We are going to 2020. They are still relevant and still in operation. There are several super spooky natural people who have come in between those times and have withered away like paper, like smoke. Are you, are you understanding what I'm trying to say? There's a price for everything. There's a price for everything. You cannot get this for free. Hallelujah. You can't get it for free. You have to pay the price. How many are going to pay the price? Number four. Being free from curses. Become free from curses. Curses don't help to walk in the supernatural. Number five, maintain integrity and holiness. First mm. Timothy 3, 1 to 7. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, but he must be blameless. Maintain integrity. Have you not seen, uh, uh, noticed that this type of latter day type of prophets who have come, there's no integrity. <laughs> Isn't it? All these type of people have come, there's no integrity. Did you hear of the guy who recently said he had raised a man from the dead? Did you hear about him? When they pushed him now, he said, oh, he changed the story like three times. Now the person wasn't dead. Now the person came and was breathing. I mean, it was... Truth, speaking truth. If you can't speak the truth, I, che- I wonder what spirit you're operating. Because the name of the spirit of God is the spirit of truth. And the father of liars is Satan himself. I'll leave that there. Okay. Two more and then we are out. Give attention to personal development. Give attention to personal development. And the last one is that always have someone praying for you. Have somebody who intercedes for you. How many remember a guy called Joshua? How many know Joshua? Joshua was, is one of the only few people in the whole of history of humanity that have been able to stop the sun from going down. And he had somebody interceding for him, Moses. How many know that it's very supernatural to stop the sun from going down? <laughs> How many agree it's a, it's a very supernatural thing? It's not natural for the sun not to go down. But he stopped the sun because he had an intercessor. I pray that you would have an intercessor. Somebody will pray for you. Amen. You see, you must stand on somebody's shoulder to go higher. Now, Jesus said to his, his disciples that greater works than this shall you do. You know why he said that to them? Because they were going to start from his shoulder. They're not going to start from ground zero. They have somebody interceding for them. 
I expect my sons and daughters to do better than I have done. Because they didn't start from ground zero. They started from my shoulder. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. If you start from ground zero, it's not easy. <laughs> I say if you start from ground zero, it's not easy. The anointing will be limited. But when you start from somebody else's shoulder and they are praying for you, you do better than them. Rise to your feet.